What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 163, going to be a good show. We're going to have a hard time keeping it to about an hour today. We're going to do our best. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot to uncover. I've received more than one text from Ben this week asking how we're going to keep this one in a decent time limit. Uh, we have, of course, uh, some baseball news, but not what you might think. Uh, the great Tom Brady finally retiring. Uh, the head coaching carousel definitely touching the Brian Flores situation. And, of course, we uh, games from this past weekend leading us to Super Bowl 57 now? I think it's 57. So. Uh, but we're going to start off with some baseball news. No, 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 not, not, not this upcoming season because if you read anything yesterday, which I just read a little clip because – don't want to hear millionaire babies crying about how unfair their life is. Uh, they have not reached even close to reaching agreement, and more than likely there will be a delay in the start of the season. So that's good to know. We're instead going to talk about people who actually wanted to play on the field, such as the newest member of your Major League Baseball Hall of Fame for your Boston Red Sox, Mr. David Ortiz, one of my personal favorite players. Thrilled to see this guy in here, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, deserves every bit of it. I think deserve, you know, the gatekeepers at the BBWAA who have to make sure everybody deserves to be there, even though half of them should have their journalism credentials taken away. Uh, only gave him slightly over the minimum to get in, but he's in regardless. Uh, and I couldn't be happier. He deserves it. He was the heart and soul of the Red Sox during a time when they did something no other Red Sox team had ever done before and competed at a level that few other Red Sox teams had ever done before. So uh, congratulations, David Ortiz, uh, and thank you for countless awesome memories and for being the lead catalyst into us finally being able to tell the Yankees to piss off. Uh, I concur with everything Chris said. Uh, memories... Much, much like the, the next guy we're going to talk about, uh, the memories are endless with what he uh, did on the field. And I appreciate everything uh, he did in, in, on the big stage. Uh, I do want to point out uh, three people that were in their final year of, of being eligible to enter into the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling all failed to reach the act the requisite amount of votes and whatever your opinion is of the players uh, off the field. And it's, this is um, towards Kurt Schilling. Um, the performance on the field was unquestioned uh, in regular season and playoffs. So him not getting in is strictly because of after baseball and some comments he made and i would say that's not what the hall of fame is about it's about the performance on the field yeah see ty cobb and and i've heard arguments well we need to be better i think it was um uh what was his name singleton who played for uh played a center field for a bunch of teams i think he started with the white Sox. i think are you but did you see that article he wrote on espn no Uh, i don't pay attention to espn uh, he wrote some article about um, Barry Bonds specifically and, and how 
he had he had to, he had to navigate playing against players who had a competitive advantage um, over him because of you know performance damage drugs mm-hmm. steroids and and he says even though there are characteristics that happened way back when we need to be better now and we need it's like no you don't need to be better you you can you, you can say what you want about this moral clause that they have the facts should be about what the performance on the field that's it and i have an issue with Kurt Schilling you can you can argue Barry Bonds you can argue um, the whole steroid era i would say put them all in that's just my opinion okay cuz if you're a baseball player back then and you knew they were you knew they were taking whatever you colluded with them to have this false uh, presentation of a, a sport. So I don't feel bad that, you know, you didn't take what you took and or you didn't take what you could have to put yourself in a position to be a hall of famer. And they did. So that's just my opinion. You, who could, you can disagree, Chris, but uh, I think they all should be in. Um, and then you grade them on the stats they performed. Kurt Schilling's a different story. I think he should be in because he performed on the field, because he performed in the playoffs. The biggest stage he performed. Not only am I going to not disagree with you, I'm going to double down on what you said because I actually agree rather <laughs> rather aggressively that all three of these men need to be in the Hall of Fame as well. It's absolutely absurd. Roger Clemens, seven Cy Young Awards. Barry Bonds, more home runs than anyone who's ever played the game. It went in this country. I know there's other other countries who have baseball that are just, you know, questionable home run totals. But uh, this is strictly a thing where neither Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, or Roger Clemens were ever super friendly with the media. This comes down to that. David Ortiz, and David Ortiz was not being fake. David Ortiz is a, a jovial, sociable friendly guy and people anybody who's met the guy says the same thing he just likes people he likes talking he likes the attention uh and he 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 eats it all up and loves it so the media loved him and he still only got 70 something percent because of these stupid gatekeepers in this idiotic archaic uh voting system that major league baseball has where the writers who've never stepped on the field are in charge of voting players in absolutely absurd Barry Bonds, before any steroid controversy began, was already a Hall of Famer. Already a Hall of Famer. And Roger Clemens, before any of this ever came up where he had his second wind, already a Hall of Famer. Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling, I used to say I didn't think Kurt Schilling was a Hall of Famer until I looked at the numbers and stats of some guys in the Hall of Fame. And there's a past episode, I cannot remember which one, where we discussed that. Kurt Schilling's Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame, Kurt Schilling's playoff numbers are far and away some of the best for any pitcher to ever step on the field. Ever. Ever. Two World Series titles, I believe only two. It might have actually been with the Red Sox when they won in 07. I'm not sure if he was on the roster. If that's the case, he'd have three. But he was a huge part of two. And won enough games to justify that. uh, uh, Hall of Fame induction with regular season wins and everything. Uh, He's not... They're not going in because... Media doesn't like them, which is not the nature of the job. It's not. I 
I write for a newspaper. And there's a lot of times, if I'm writing an article, I might disagree with the subject matter. But you know what? I don't edit it and clip it to fit my own narrative. Because that's not what news is. That's not what reporting is. That's not what media is supposed to freaking be. Everyone's got a soapbox nowadays. Everyone's a gatekeeper. Everyone has an opinion on everything. And that's fine. People have a right to their own opinions. But when we start saying, well, we just need to be better because of this. It's never been the way it is. Certain things in society, sure. When it comes to baseball and the voting and all this stuff, dude, if you still are offended or bothered by the fact that guys took PEDs in a game with hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, then you're probably still the same moron who thinks marijuana is a gateway drug. And if that offends you, get your head out of your ass. Sorry. Well, no, I'm not. So, like these guys, like I said, two separate careers, and you put put them both in the Hall of Fame. You could have split Bond's career down the middle, and he's a Hall of Famer twice. You could have done the same with Clemens. And Schilling, not, not so much, but he still should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Bonds and Clemens, though, are a damn travesty. And it's strictly because the media didn't like their attitude. And you've said this numerous times. We absolutely have to get to a system where either Hall of Famers vote or there's a committee from Major League Baseball, if they ever step on the field again, that decides who gets in. Not the friggin' writers, because they all got a chip on their shoulder. The same morons that didn't vote Derek Jeter in 100%. I'm a Red Sox fan. I got no love for Derek Jeter on the field. But as an objective baseball fan, that man's a Hall of Famer all day long and deserved a 100% vote. It's absurd. It, it, it's absurd. I 100% agree with you. All these guys should have got in. And the fact that Bonds and Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame is a joke. Gonna go down a bit of a rabbit hole here for... Let's see how long. What are we at already? Hold on. Okay. Give me two minutes. Bonds comes up in the late 80s. So does Clemens. Performance-enhancing drugs. They are just called steroids back then. We didn't have all this HGH and stuff like that back then. We're not even illegal. Not only in sports, in the country. I believe it was late 90s, early 91. And I know this as a wrestling fan who watches steroid trials. And I think 93 or 94. Uh... You know, <laughs> it weren't even illegal. So when, when Bonds and Cle- uh, not, well, excuse me, when uh, guys like uh, Kitsenko and, and, and McGuire were talking about taking them in the late 80s, they're not even breaking the law. They're buying something that is as legal as aspirin to help themselves. And then baseball sees, you know, people in charge of baseball. Oh, man, you see Mark McGuire? He's, he, he's, he's a lot bigger than he used to be. Something going on there? <laughs> wow. Did you see all the zeros after the revenue that's attached to him? Yeah, you know what? We don't care. Never mind. Do whatever you want, Mark. And it wasn't until for some reason the government thought this was their job, because they have nothing else to worry about, was to was to worry about who, who was putting what needles where, as far as, as far as athletes go. But they started worrying about that. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, McGuire and Sosa and Bonds and all these guys get sold up the river. So you've watched a game for years and years and years where guys made millions of dollars doing something that people in the people in public didn't like, but wasn't illegal and wasn't enforced. And now it is. And all of a sudden, all these guys are bad for doing that. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Everybody 
everybody who wants to win is going to look for every edge they can. And if they don't, that's why they lose. And if you're going to do something, and even if it's a shady, and you don't get caught, and nobody stops you, and as a Patriots fan, we can attest to this very well, you always border on the edge of, this is perfectly legal, Uh, let's push it a little bit more. Okay, they stopped us. Okay, don't do that anymore. Okay, they caught us. Don't do that anymore. Anybody out there who said the for the betterment of their own life and their family and people they love and all this other stuff who would not do the same. You're lying to yourself. You're lying. You're lying. I did, Sorry. I did. I did just want to button up one thing. Uh, it was Doug Glanville that wrote the piece, former Philly. Uh, it's just a sob. In my opinion, it's a sob piece that feel bad for me because I didn't have a chance at getting in because these guys took steroids. You know it? He even says it in the article. You know it. They took amphetamines. They, they used spider tech. They used sunscreen. They used, you know, back in what the, you you would know this, Chris, so back in the 50s and 60s, they would, um, the the catcher would have razor blades on their, um, their gloves yeah. to cut the baseball so they can get a little bit more. Uh-huh rip um anything and everything they can use okay has the game evolved yes they have they eliminated stuff yes uh but you don't hear about you know the players that that cut the ball as being banned from the you know uh no uh hall of fame you you it's (laughs) it's perfectly said by you the gatekeepers the bbwaa are preventing certain players from getting in. And and Ortiz got 77% because he did have something after his career was over that maybe was questionable, you know, because he, he did get um, uh, assassination attempt on his life. And there's some question around why. I would say that has nothing to do with what happened in, in uh, on the field. No. Nothing to do. Nothing. He should have been, and this is why I stand – on the ground that you were talking about mimic what the NFL does. They have closed meetings. They don't give out percentages. They don't do any of that. It's just, are you in or are you out? Cause then it doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter if, if Ortiz got just barely over, it doesn't matter that uh, Derek Jeter got one less vote than, than a 100% majority. It doesn't matter. It just matters that they got in, but they make it about this. This is some indication of their worth. And when I say them, I mean the BBWAA and their holier than thou attitude about how we're treated like crap the entire career, their career. And when the time comes to, to cash in the check, they're there waiting at the gate saying, uh, we're going to make you wait. How long? I don't know. We'll we'll discuss in our own little powwows and decide, are we going to make you wait six years, seven years? Because I think it used to be 15 years, right, that they could be on the ballot? I think so. And then they voted it down to 10. Yeah, it's a bunch of nerds who got picked last in kickball deciding what, what these great athletes get in or not. 
it's asinine. And those guys, those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I was not always the biggest fan of theirs when they were playing, but it's not what it's about. It's about accomplishment on the field. And it, it's a shame. Uh, but just put that on the laundry list of things that Major League Baseball needs to change uh, unless they want to just die out and fade away. But All right. Now, how do you segue into this topic? Like, uh, you, you don't. We, we've this, known this has been coming for a while, but yeah, you, I mean, David Ortiz is is. I always say, the second the person responsible for the second most happy memories for me as a sports fan in my entire life. Uh, this next guy is number one, Tom Brady. Finally announced his retirement. Although I say finally, like he was struggling. The guy's still putting up MVP like numbers. Finally announced his retirement uh, yesterday. As we're listening to this, uh, it would be, that would be Tuesday the second or first, first uh, of uh, February. Uh, there was a report over the weekend by Captain Toolbag Adam Schefter, who, you know, apparently took it upon himself to take what people were telling him about the greatest player in the history of the NFL. Uh, and decided to, instead of let him announce his retirement, decided to run with it like an idiot um, that he is. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was not something that Brady had intended to get out at that time because if you know Brady, he has a lot of respect for the game and does not want to take away from the product on the field, and they still had the conference championship games happening that weekend. So clearly that was probably not meant to get out until he was ready, but here we are and i mean it's it's as a patriots fan and as a football fan both you can't i can't there's things that happened during his 20 years in new england i would have never thought i would experience as a fan as somebody who grew up watching that team watching you know Zolak and Bledsoe and 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 a lot of other guys. And I was a huge Bledsoe fan. I still still am. But this guy comes in and he turns our team. Not not just him, obviously. It's the game plan and the coaching and, and players, you know, busting their ass around him too. But he was a catalyst for a lot of it. A lot of good players came to New England to play with him and to play under Belichick. And to have so many conference championship game Sundays and Super Bowl Sundays and Super Bowl parties and and big games and uh, rivalries and shit talk and all of it that went along with, with being a fan of this guy and this team. And there was just so many laughs and, and ups and downs. There's a couple Super Bowls in there that weren't so stellar. <laughs> uh, looking at you, Eli Manning. But, my God, man, I, I can't, like, these two guys, in one week, you had Ortiz in the Hall of Fame and then Brady retiring. Two guys who are, without a doubt, the two who've led to the most joyous moments for me as a sports fan. Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's a hell of a career. I mean, you can't, no, no one's ever, I don't want to hear anybody, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. First of all, he's regressing, let's be honest. At least his team is. His talent's still there. He goes from Super Bowl to making it and losing the conference championship. So he'll be knocked out in the division round next year. Um, 
<laughs> probably not. He's he's awesome. I'm just being an asshole. But let's not let's not let four or five really really stellar years on Mahomes does not add up to what this guy did for 22. It just doesn't. He's not there yet. He's not in the conversation. And people were so quick these days to jump on anyone who's been good or great for a while, a couple of years, is all of a sudden the next so-and-so. And it's always been that way. But the reality of it is nobody, nobody stacks up to this guy numbers-wise, championship-wise, success-wise. Love him or hate him. And a lot of people love him and a lot of people hate him. Numbers don't lie. Results don't lie. There's got to be a certain amount of respect to accomplishment that comes along with what you're watching. Like I said about Derek Jeter earlier during the the Hall of Fame talk, I never liked Derek Jeter. I'm a Red Sox fan. Every time anything bad on the field, not not like personally, I'm not that kind of guy, anything bad on the field happened to him, he was in a slump, he struck out, whatever, I was always overjoyed. So I get it. But there's a certain part of you that when he's done has to go, okay, we did just watch somebody who was at the top level of his game for a long, long time, and the game is going to miss something now that he's not here anymore. So there's not a lot of guys you can say that about. Those kind of players are special. There's Kobe in the NBA, Brady now, uh, you know, Jeter when he retired. There's certain players that just have a presence and there's something special about them, and the game is just different once they're gone. So that's I, that's all I got to say about that. I don't know if you have anything on it, but I mean, I, the only the only angle I have is you know the economic impact Brady and the Patriots had on the community, the region. There, there's no way to put it into tangible numbers how it how it benefited everyone in this area not just fandom wise but businesses flourished the uh businesses around uh one patriot place and, and gillette stadium and before that foxborough they're just benefiting each and every year from consistency in in not only throughout the season but then playoffs and it just a lot of people tied their their businesses into what they would what would happen on sunday and i think brady gets a lot of credit for for helping the team come to that point because of his consistency each and every year and uh, the memories the memories will never go away and i'm always appreciative of what he did for the team and you know it it was going to be hard when this happened. Um, it probably would have been harder, honestly, if he if he stepped away as a Patriot. But obviously, we know what happened there. Um, you know what Bill does. Bill likes to get rid of players a year too early, then a year too late. And maybe he doesn't have Mac Jones now if uh, he just route, rode out Tom Brady till the end. Um, but he, I. I I mean, you said it all. I, there's not much more for me to say. Yeah, you said it all. And look, man, Brady, he left. He left because they. I I firmly him. believe. He didn't want to be here, and they didn't want to pay him 
to stay here because in his last couple of years in New England, while he was still competitive and they were good, he was declining. He was completely disenchanted with being here. The whole Patriot way thing wasn't working for him anymore. It was clear to see that. It wasn't the same vibe you saw years previous with this team. It just wasn't. And that last year, especially that last playoff game against the Titans, where Patriots were heavily favored for some reason. The way they played the last, I don't know, month of the year, I don't know why they're heavily favored. Titans came in to Foxborough, beat them, and Brady just walks off the field. Like, that was a guy that didn't want to be here anymore. And I know fans, especially with his retirement post yesterday, are taking everything so personally. And I was a little bitter when he I was very bitter, actually, when he left. Uh, up until about playoff time last year. And I, you know, I, I got over it. Um, But it worked for him. He went to a place where he was happy. Made some damn good money. Played with some great players. Won another championship. Had a second very competitive year. Gets to ride off in the sunset on his own terms. At the top of his game, mind you. There's no doubt he could still play another two or three years. I remember telling people back ten years ago, this guy has two or three prime years left and he's going to start falling off. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, four more Super Bowl championships and ten years later, he's finally out of here. And still playing at an elite level. Still. Um, like you said, he... Patriots ended up having one down season. You got better salary cap relief. You know, that, that was, they did a lot in the offseason. They drafted a quarterback of the future. They ended up in a better place. Brady ended up in a good place. At the end of the day, I think all parties benefited positively from the departure. I really do. And to anybody out there who's still all bent out of shape about the fact he didn't mention the Patriots or Patriots fans in his retirement post on, on, on Twitter... Like, that's the thing that matters more than anything in the world. It's just ridiculous. He didn't mention us on social media. First of all, get over yourselves. It's not about you. He took out an ads in the paper when he left New England, thanking Patriots fans, thanking the Kraft family. It's not like he didn't do that when he left. He wasn't leaving here again. He was leaving Tampa, so he mentioned Tampa. He said before he has nothing but a good relationship with people up here. It's ridiculous. Everybody's on their their high horse. Everybody's crying and whining. He didn't. Like, how I don't know. It, it, it's stupid to me. Like who gives a shit? <laughs> he didn't mention you in a retirement speech. Get over it. it wasn't even a speech. It was a post on in social media. How stuck on yourself are you? I cheered for you and you didn't mention me. He doesn't know you. It's stupid. And you get Schefter. That guy, if I ever hear that name again, it'll be too soon. Sitting there online, like, acting like he was so wronged because he, like, was an a-hole about it and reported it before he was supposed to. It's part of this society that drives me nuts. Everyone thinks the minute anyone disagrees with them, they got to keep, quote, receipts. A receipt used to be something you gave somebody when they legitimately wronged you, not when they just disagreed with you or... Uh, we're incorrect about a point that was later proven. That's not a receipt. Get over yourselves. Every time someone disagrees with you, you don't have to have receipts. Just move on. Live your life. We'll all be a lot happier. I guarantee it. I did I did listening to um, sports talk radio today. Um, I know. I know what your opinion of it is. But, um, <laughs> Apocalypse radio? <laughs> yes. But supposedly, and this is not in, I mean, they went, Ape shit yesterday about 
how fans were going off about being wronged. No, this is more about uh, Schefter, supposedly a ESPN employee, saw early the early um, look on, you know, Man in Arena, uh, Tom Brady's thing. Supposedly the, the the last episode is going to be was was to be him indicating that he was retiring. And I don't know when it's gonna broadcast, but some ESPN employees saw it and reported it to Schefter and then Schefter reported it. Um, it's funny because Schefter work, works for ESPN. <laughs> well there's like, a reason there's a reason they didn't let him see it. Right. And so he blabbed about it and and I sit on the side of, of I, I understand he has a job. I do. His job is to report news. Um, but like this is this would be like Kobe uh, gonna announce his retirement and then Wojnarowski or you know name your insider in the NBA uh, you know day or two earlier you know hey, Kobe's going to announce his retirement, confirmed uh, by sources. Or, you know, uh, I can't use Roger Clemens as an example because he always, you know, flip-flopped on his decision to retire. But if Ortiz retired, when Ortiz retired and, and, and you know, any, any, any one of the idiots up in Boston, out in Boston, you know, reporting it a day or two early, just – this 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 person deserved, you know, all the time and, and energy he spent into a game. I understand it's a game, but the countless memories, the jobs he helped, you know, um, create because of his performance. I think it was it would have been better for Schefter to say, call up Tom Brady's camp and yeah, say hey, right, I got this information. You know, I, I really don't want to put it out there, but it's part of my job. And and let's remember, this is the same guy that remember the um, Washington investigation that led to John Gruden getting fired. Yep. Also came out that Schefter uh, would email or what ask permission if it was okay for certain information to be released. Yeah. Or or critiques on his articles, that, whatever it was, he was asking officials of teams is it okay to do this or is it okay to do that i why couldn't he just do that why couldn't he just say tom uh, you know and then he could have gotten a personal interview a one-on-one you know and, and is it wrong I, I don't think it's wrong it's it's benefiting each other it's letting tom do what he wants to do and retire it in his way and Schefter, you know elevates his position which is already up there as it is um and getting a great interview possibility um, with the greatest Green Bay fans. I want you to hear this. The greatest quarterback. Yeah, it's not even close. It's not even close. Then that's just, that's just where I sit on it. He had – I understand his obligation to his craft, but there are countless occasions where Schefter kind of – spit in the face of his duty as a as a a as a uh, reporter insider to to lean on the side of caution to help out somebody else so he's not an insider he's a he's a yes man 
He carries yeah. wider for those who benefit him. And if you can't benefit him or you can get a bigger a bigger number of downloads or clicks based on screwing somebody over or revealing something he shouldn't, he'll do that too. So And, and how many yeah. people funneled his information that could have been <clears throat> accurate, could have been false, just to feed in their to their agenda. Oh yeah. Yeah. Knowing that he would go out there and say it. So I understand he has a job to do, but He's not other insiders. He has sort of an agenda onto himself, and he's just like you said. He's the yes man. That's that's what he is. And this mentality he has that he felt wronged by everyone that criticized him. Did he, didn't he not backtrack or some sort of like when when he first reported it, and then the Brady camp you know, denied a decision has made. Didn't he like sort of backtrack a little bit? I don't know. Truthfully, I, I barely pay attention to him. So yeah, I, 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 I would assume so, but I don't know for sure. But you know, if you, if you're going to go with a source and you are really confident in it, then, then double down and then you can have some standing, but his history in recent history, just, I, I have no sympathy for him. Um, I, I really, I, I look at Ian Rapport more often, you know, cause yeah, same here. Yeah. You know, he, he has the difference between those two is Ian has an opinion, but he tries to make sure that his opinion and, and what he's reporting are separate. Schefter, oh, you mean like a, a good journalist? Yeah. 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 Schefter kind of tries to weave into that opinion and he's really never been that he's just been, this is. This is my inside information. And that's all he's ever been. So, you know, just keep being a yes man and, and that's it. And, you know, I, I for people that say, oh, well, it, it's just a game. It's just this, it's just that. No, you're absolutely right. And in the grand scheme of things in life, like, yeah, it, it's not it's not a life and death situation. It's a game where grown adults get paid a lot of money to play a game. And we've discussed many, many times how, you know, we don't know what's Monopoly money anyways. It's, it's insane. But here's the deal. Like, if you're a teacher or a line cook or a police officer or something like that, and those are three very different things. I'm just saying, like, three three different professions uh, that aren't affected at all by, like, what's, like, oh, breaking news. Like, whatever. It's I'm trying to make an analogy here. Um yeah, you're not going to care if Schefter was wrong about something reported football as far as that goes. But, look, you don't exist without this game. ESPN reported this. You don't exist without these games. Like, these games are their existence. It needs to matter to them. Because they don't have any sports to report on if there's no sports. So your very livelihood depends on you being accurate when it comes to these games. Chris, the whole thing doesn't make sense. And honestly, Schefter just needs to, honestly, he should just go silent for about a month, month and a half. Let this shit flow over because there's other things in the news right now that are going to be a little bit more uh, poignant. And then his worth might be more justifiable when more information leaks. Like, I'll tell you, when we get to that, I, uh, that, that, this, um, that last topic, I just read something else that just dropped uh, a few minutes ago. So let's get into he, it. Let's 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 get into the uh, 
the coaching coaching carousel, if yeah. you will, and one that we did not expect that would be open uh, is, is Sean Payton, former yeah. former coach of the New Orleans Saints, was not fired, uh, but did uh, did step down. I, I somebody was reporting his contract expired, but that that's not the case. I believe he had like three more years on the contract and quite a bit of money on yeah, quite was, a bit of yeah. money on there too. Like I think upwards of like thirty or forty million dollars left on his contract also. Uh, and I was personally surprised by this. I did not see this coming. Uh, I don't know if he's just done coaching, if he just had enough and needed some time away. I don't know. Whatever his personal reasons are, that's his business. Um, but uh, I very much, very much surprised me. I mean. I thought the Brian Flores firing surprised me. Sean Payton stepping away uh, when his job was not remotely in jeopardy. Uh, I can't imagine it would be. That's not the report coming out. He just needed time away. Um, it's very shocking, and it's it's going to be really, really, really big shoes to fill in, in New Orleans. Uh, some of these other teams that have struggled over the past decade or so, they're bringing in their third or fourth head coach in 10 years. Not necessarily big shoes to fill, but... Sean Payton was probably the most vital period of time in that franchise's history, was the head coach and a very successful one, and now he's not there anymore. So in two years, you lost your franchise quarterback, Drew Brees, and now your franchise head coach. Uh, and that's that's a lot of change in a period of time, short period of time, for a Saints organization. And not only that, but their cap situation is not exactly sparkling this team, if they don't get their stuff together, could have some very dark times ahead of them on the field. Yeah, I think um, a lot. I mean, you look at what Bill Belichick did in New England, um, Philadelphia. You know, they they kind of moved through that cap hell they put themselves in pretty good. And it'll be interesting to see what the Bucks do. Um, but... I don't want to speak on whether or not Sean Sean Payton left because you know the cap issues. You know they're they're currently negative sixty seven million in the cap hell, and in the following season they have their twenty four million. Um, currently, obviously, it could go up, but in twenty twenty three they're twenty four million plus. So I mean, it, it's not only is it going to be a few years. But then you have to think of the other side, Chris. They don't have a quarterback. Yeah. You can't tell me they're confident in Jameis Winston. They they put all that money in Taysom Hill, and he's not the answer. Trevor Simeon's not the answer. There's no quarterback in this draft that will be able to come in and do what Mac Jones did, do what Joe Burrow did two years ago, do what Justin Herbert did two years ago. Um, uh, do what – I don't even know if there's a guy that did what Davis Mills did for the Texans. Maybe, but even that's not great. Uh, you saw what Trevor Lawrence – the talented Trevor Lawrence can't miss prospect. I understand what happened with Urban Meyer, but he's struggled mightily. Yes. And you're looking at, you're looking at a coach who has Super Bowl aspirations, Super Bowl – uh, experience Alvin Kamara going in deep into his contract issues with Michael Thomas's health the defense the offensive line the cap issues 
there's just so many layers there that it, it's almost time to blow it up. And does he really want to be part of that? Oh, it's not almost time to blow it up. They have to blow it up because you just met, you mentioned the Patriots having, you know, Brady leaving. They had some dead cap space. They're in salary cap hell for a season, but then everything cleared. And now they have, they're able to bring in guys like, uh, like Jalen Mills and, and Matthew Judon. And I know that defense wasn't exactly stellar the last, you know, six weeks or so after, after the bye week, pretty much. Uh, but they, they do have some areas need to get younger and faster. There's definitely work to do there. Uh, but that's not a franchise that you look at and go, oh, my God, they're not going to be competitive for five, six years. That is because Belichick approaches it like a business. It's not a personal thing. Whoever is in the, the, the department of doing their due diligence before long-term contracts are signed for the New Orleans Saints, whether that was Sean Payton or somebody else, didn't do that due diligence. They didn't ask themselves, is Michael Thomas going to keep up this pace of play for the next five or six years? Is Alvin Kamara going to be as valuable to us when we no longer have Drew Brees? Drew Brees isn't going to be here very long. What do we do after that? We signed these defensive players to these massive contracts, and they're not putting up a top 10 defense. They were very good this past year, but haven't been in previous years. So now you have Michael Thomas making God knows how much money after a elite season. He signs that extension and has n- barely stepped on the field in the last two years. His cap hit is 24.7 this coming season. Yeah. So good luck moving that, getting rid of that. You're just going to end up farther in salary cap hell. You even try moving that, which you may have to anyways. Uh, Jameis Winston may not be the answer, but if I'm you, if I'm the Saints, I resign him with whatever I can because you're going to need somebody to do it. Trevor uh, Seaman, clearly not the answer. Taysom Hill is a nice change of pace player, but you've now paid him like he's your starting quarterback, and he's not. So even if you can get, if you had the draft capital to go after a Deshaun Watson, if you want to go anywhere near that, or an Aaron Rodgers, you don't have the money with their contracts to pay them once they come in. So, and now you have Alvin Kamara, who's still an elite player in his prime, but without a quarterback and and and, and nobody to take the pressure off him on the line, He's not going to be able to do what he can do. So you've literally just let this snowball into the worst-case scenario for organization. Now you have no franchise quarterback, no big-name head coach who can get you out of it. You have a star receiver who, based on how he's talking about the franchise, doesn't even want to step on the field for him. A running back who can only do so much because he's the only offensive weapon you have. And that's not going to hold up long. Kamara's not a big guy. He's going to take a beating for another couple of seasons. He's not going to be himself. Like, <laughs> unless unless Ian Book turns into the next Tom Brady, your franchise has a lot of work to do. It's hard enough to do when you have the cap space and no players to sign. Now those players aren't there to sign, and you don't have the cap room even if they were. Oh, and by the way, like you said, there's no stud quarterback in the draft this year. And this organization has proved they can't do their due diligence and find one. So it's not like they're going to pull a rabbit out of their hat or anything. So this is, I'm a head coach, and I have any other option. I probably bypass the Saints job and say, you know what, I'll be a coordinator in another year or two and see what opens up for me. And, and, and Chris, if you look at the following year, you're looking at just, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. 
you're looking at CJ Stroud from Ohio State. You're looking at Bryce Young from Alabama. Uh, Caleb Williams, who's transferring from Alabama, from uh, Oklahoma to follow Lincoln Riley to USC. And I'm just naming a few off the top of my head that are going to be top tier talented prospects. Uh, not to mention the, the um, quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs and the name is escaping right now. And I can't remember it. Not the backup JT Daniels who's a talented uh, young man himself and might transfer to another school to get an opportunity. Um, but I can't remember the other guy's name for some reason, uh, but light, leading the Georgia Bulldogs to a national championship. And I think he'll be um, available next year in the draft if he's not available this year. There's talent coming next year. So now you got to align yourself next year with possibility of these young kids coming out and being available, especially if they put another stellar season um, and make the play, uh, college football playoffs. You got to put yourself in a position to get that, but you also need talent in that position to be successful. And you can't, if you're the Saints, you can't just, even though they might have to, you can't just sell off Michael Thomas. You can't just sell off Alvin Kamara. You can't sell off some of your prime defensive players. You can't sell off your offensive line. (laughs) But you're still paying, uh, I think it was $11.5 million to uh, Drew Brees next year. Yeah. A guy who's been retired for two seasons will, will be two seasons now. And you're still paying him money. Like, there's... An issue, and I'm not going to get into all the other contract issues they have. They put themselves in this position, and now Sean Payton steps away for a year, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to find himself a nice landing spot in a place where either A, there's a quarterback, or B, they're, they're a prime position to pick one of these young quarterbacks, and he can just make his choice. If he's able to, if he's able to, I don't know if because he left with years in his contract how that works for coaches' contracts. If he's able to sign with somebody else, if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, young quarterback, smart coach, some good defensive talent, he could legitimize that organization. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff contender next year with him, but he could really, really help them with what they need to go from disheveled mess essentially to oh we can build some respectability back here and and really help trevor lawrence uh and he'd be a much better influence than one urban meyer would be uh and one more thing before we get on to this uh the the, the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room right um even if they are able to trade kamara and michael thomas teams know how desperate they are they're getting pennies on the dollar you're not getting full value. You're not getting you're not getting maxed out value like the te- Texans would have got for Deshaun Watson last offseason before everybody knew the whole mess that was going on with the legal situation and all the accusations and things that were occurring with Deshaun Watson. Uh, it's the same with them. They're going to get pennies on a dollar now. And you're still going to end up paying a majority of the contract for a guy that's no longer on your team. So they are not in a good spot. But I would just say, Chris, um, two things. One... Sean Payton has ties to Dallas Cowboys. Just uh-huh. put the, put that out there on the on on the on the board and just hey, notice it next year. And two, just run down the the 
head coaching's head coaching vacancies that got filled. You got Matt Aberflus, who got hired for the Bears. Uh, he is the defensive coordinator for the Colts. Uh, Nathan Hackett uh, for the Broncos. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Josh McDaniels got hired as the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. And Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, was hired as the Giants head coach, which leaves the Vikings, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and as we mentioned, the Saints as open positions. And I think there's rumors on, on the Vikings. There's rumors on the Texans. Uh, there's nothing on the Saint, uh, the Dolphins. The Saints are kind of still searching. Um, the one thing I will say, Chris, the Jaguars, I think they're going to go with uh, Leftwich with that, that history. Yep. Uh, it might, might, might help bring that, that band base back together. Leftwich has a lot of great memories in, in, in Jacksonville. You've seen what he's done with the, the Buccaneers. I think it's a match made in heaven, and I think it would be best after this disgusting shit show that Urban Meyer put on the field last year. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that would be a but very I, good choice. He, he's proved, and he's had a lot of very good offensive players uh, go to his at bat for him and say, this guy knows what he's doing. So I think a good young coach and a good young team was a really solid match too. And I think the 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 one vacancy that might take the longest to get filled is the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Chris, why is that? Well, all right. I have no idea how long we're going to talk about this. We're trying to keep the show at about an hour. We're at about 15 minutes already. We're not going to dive just just a heads up ahead of time. We're not going to dive too deep into any games last week or anything Super Bowl related because there is a week, the two weeks between the conference championship and the Super Bowl. So next week's show is going to be very uh, heavy on reviewing the conference championships and Super Bowl preview and what we think and, and any prop bets we're trying to make and the whole nine yards there. So we're going to end this episode on the... Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL for discrimination. And you and I are, I, I think if I'm wrong here, obviously, you know, step in. There's a lot of times. I think we're both of the same opinion here where, especially with the climate we're in, in 2022 and the previous couple of years where people take things to extremes and any time a good cause comes to the forefront, you have people that run with it and bring it to a crazy level. I am not the type to sit there and say, everything's racism. Everything's this. Everything's that. These issues absolutely do exist, and they're real, and it's very unfortunate that in 2022 it's still a thing. But I, it's not the first place I go, and as somebody who knows and loves and respects people of just about every race background sexual orientation you can imagine um i try very hard to find reasons a lot of times talking with those people why things legitimately happen and it's not just oh because i'm this because i'm that having said that and somebody who is not always just go to this is a racist issue 
Brian Flores has a case here. And a good case. Will he win anything? Will it go out in his favor? I don't know. I don't know what's going to be exposed. I don't know what's going to be proven. Again, everything is just an accusation. So when I say I think he has a case, I'm not trying to take a side. I'm just giving my opinion. I think just a case. Because the NFL does everything to promote their their so-called social justice narratives because it's what's popular to say now. Now, a lot of companies do that, and a lot of companies do that. And in fairness, a lot of those companies back up with their actions what they preach, which I can respect. Agree or disagree, if you're going to practice what you preach, okay. It's a dog and pony show when it comes to the NFL. It's all a dog and pony show. Just trying to make money, trying to look good in the public eye. That's all it is. When you get deep down into it with situations like this, it's a dog and pony show. I texted you yesterday and I said, with all these new, with all these head coach retreads, Going to different teams. Who's the last black head coach to get a second chance? And you said Jim Caldwell and Tony Dungy. And you are correct. However, Jim Caldwell was a coordinator with the Colts forever under Dungy. When Dungy left, I'm sure Dungy put in a good word for him. And he was stepped in for a couple of years and was the head coach there. It didn't end exactly the way they planned on. Uh, I believe... Did he step in for Pagano, or did Pagano step in for him? I think he stepped in for Pagano. No, no that wasn't. That wasn't. No, Arian stepped in. For Arian Pagano. stepped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind. I'm thinking of a different and that's era. What, that's how Arian's got the uh, yeah, yeah. head coaching gig in uh, Arizona. Thinking of a different, yeah, I'm thinking of a uh, different era of the Colts. Um, but so so Dungy and Caldwell were already attached to each other there. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Dungy had a lot to do with that. Oh, yeah. Nothing against Caldwell. I mean, I'm just, you know, hey, I don't care if you, you know, this guy earned it, so put him in the spot. And then Dungy went off to, uh, he was in Tampa first, correct? It was Tampa first. Tampa first. And then he went to Colts, then he retired. Yeah. Um, So, okay, those are two cases. Dungy is an outlier because he had a great track record as, as a coach. Caldwell... Didn't have the most successful teams under him. However, there were improvements with this team. Much like Anthony Lynn two years ago with the Chargers. Chargers lose Phillip Rivers, bring in Justin Herbert. The team plays very well, but they don't make the playoffs, so Anthony Lynn's out the door. Absolute shame. Um, Brian Flores steps in a couple years ago for the Dolphins, who were an absolute mess. Starts turning that franchise around has a winning season, or at least a better season, in year two, comes back after having a ton of injuries in season th- in year three, sweeps the Patriots, which even the Bills, the mighty Bills, and I say that legitimately, not tongue-in-cheek, weren't able to do this season, inexplicably gets fired. Somehow it's not the first phone call the Chicago Bears make. Uh, David, David Culley? Houston, Texans coach that got fired. 
What was he supposed to do? The team's an absolute mess. But you know what we got to do? We got to bring Josh McDaniels into into the into Las Vegas because he's the answer. Let's keep these retreads going. Let's allegedly bring Jim Harbaugh in, who's done nothing to prove he's learned anything. Let's bring him into Minnesota. NFL thinks that it got ugly with the John Gruden situation earlier this year. They did everything they could to make sure none of that got on them. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff gets exposed. That's going to make a lot of higher-ups in the NFL look really, really stupid. And I, for one, I, for one, can't wait. It's not going to ruin the game at all. The product on the field is going to be fine. But you're going to see a lot of stuff that's been kept behind closed doors for years and years and years come to the forefront. Because when I don't believe every single situation is always racism, when I see something and I believe does have something to do with it, it really does piss me off. And it's not okay. And this is a situation that needs to be addressed. And I give Flores a lot of credit for seeing something like this. And you're going to go over some cases I know of things that he's mentioned. Because uh, you're a little bit more versed in that than I am. Things he's mentioned as far as why he believes in discrimination. And, uh, uh, you know, it, everybody involved <laughs> at this higher up level is going to have the potential to have a lot of explaining to do. If some of the stuff I think could get out, where to get out. So, so there's a lot, Chris. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, That's why we did this last, so we could kind, guess, of, kind I, of control the time. Yeah, I guess what prompted everything, and I'm sure he had, like, inclinations of because this dates back to 2019 with his, because it's, this is why in the lawsuit, he also names the Denver Broncos. Apparently the Broncos brass, when they flew in, um, were late and were hung over from the previous day. So they didn't take the interview seriously. Alleges his side of the story. We try to get all the facts out there. And if the Broncos have facts, uh, including John Elway, who was a part of this, uh, the brass wants to get the facts out there. Go ahead and get the facts out there. We'll put it out on 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 record. Um, but what prompted this was Bill Belichick accidentally text messaged Brian Flores, thinking he was texting Brian Dayball, congratulating him on the uh, getting the head coaching job. Um, Brian Flores on Thursday is, I believe, getting his second interview, um, not his first, uh, which, you know, you could you could debate one way or the other on whether that matters. Um, but I would say, yeah, he was going for his second interview. Um, why would you have the interview if... You already decided the person. That would be my question to the New York Giants. Um, this comes down to, and I'm at, I haven't got to Miami yet. Uh, this comes down to our NFL teams checking the box. Let's let's just be honest. Are they checking the box? Because if you look at all the lists, you can go on NFL.com, and NFL.com, which is run by the NFL, uh, nice and neatly puts all the 
list of head coaching candidates, GM candidates, whatever information they can put on there, you know, what interview are they in? And, and you can see who was interviewed and, and Leslie Frazier was interviewed and Patrick Graham was interviewed. Ryan Dayball was interviewed. Leslie Frazier had a second interview. So they're just checking the boxes is essentially what they're doing. Um, think back, Chris. Um, Matt Rule seemed to be the guy the Panthers wanted. Urban Meyer seemed to be the guy that the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted. Dallas Cowboys wanted Mike McCarthy. You- and Eric Bieniemy just sitting there without a head coaching job. I mean, he's the one guy that I sit here every year and be like, why don't he – who is good? Is he just to turn him down because they're not good? I am convinced otherwise. I think he's – I think they – it's a comfort level, and unfortunately they – the owners just want to pick who they want to pick. And this is what it's turned into. Check the box. Check the box. I – there's one person I go to. I go to Lewis Riddick. I went to him, what was it, last year or year before? I said that he said it was all about networking. Well, I was waiting for him to say something. And he says, uh, he has a video up on uh, ESPN.com that there needs to be action taken on correcting everything that's all about this. Because there's no reason, A, that... Brian Flores should have been fired. There's no reason that if David Culley wasn't the right guy for the position, then why did you hire him in the first place? Yep. Um, Who was the guy in Arizona that got fired? I I was thinking of this yesterday. I'm trying to think back. It it wasn't Anthony Lynn because Anthony Lynn was uh, with the Chargers. Um, But he got one season, got the boot, and then they brought in Cliff Kingsbury because they wanted Cliff Kingsbury. The only current successful head coach, black head coach, is Mike Tomlin. And that's because not only does the Rooney rule stem from the Pittsburgh Steelers and their uh, former owner, uh, Art Rooney, who has passed away, um, but they have a, a, a decree in their organization that here's the head coaching job, whoever, you have it until you don't want it anymore. Yeah. That's why they had what four? Yeah, not many. Yeah. I, I, I can't think past Bill Cowher. I know there's, there's like two other ones besides uh, Cowher and say Tom. Chuck Chuck Knoll. Chuck Knoll, heck, yeah. And then there's one before that that's way before our time. Yeah. Um but then you get to Miami. And why I laugh about Miami's head coaching vacancy might not get filled. <laughs> Apparently in twenty nineteen, this is Per Brian Flores, he was offered $100,000 to lose each game. And he turned it down because he has more integrity than that. $100,000 to lose. And I guess during the Brady offseason, the owner, Stephen Ross, and I will tell you right now, Chris, Stephen Ross is a Michigan alum. He has a library, I guess, named after him. Uh, he set up a unscheduled meeting between Brian Flores and Tom Brady during an illegal period of time. 
and Brian Flores saw Tom and left. And I guess he didn't want to get into this tampering, which right. is fine. That is that is very low brow compared to the hundred thousand dollars to lose each game. And you're sitting out there like that. That's crazy. There's no way. There's no way that's true. Chris, when when I mentioned to you that there was a a new uh, news drop about something that happened in the past hour, yep. Uh, Hugh Hugh Jackson has said something. Um, I can try to pull up his exact tweet because you know I like to quote people exactly for what they said. Yeah, I want to get it accurate. Yeah. Um. He uh. Hugh Jackson says he was offered extra money to lose games by the Browns ownership in 2016 and 2017. Mm -hmm. And that led to, uh, that led to miles Garrett in, I believe Baker Mayfield. So Chris, all I got to say is Steven Ross and y'all worried about some football PSI, huh? Yeah. There you go. Look in the mirror yeah. now, morons. You might wanna you might wanna get your affairs in line and, and and make sure your other businesses are all set because it looks like you might not be a NFL owner for too much longer. Because this this is going to court. Um Goodell's gonna have to go to court, not his first time. I would imagine the owner of the Dolphins will have to go to court. Uh, unfortunately, the Broncos are up for sale, so there's a a um, limbo there on who would who would represent them, and the Giants organization will have to go to court. Um, does he win? I don't know. Uh, I'm not an expert. And that's all we know about for now. Yeah. <laughs> all I'll say is uh, it's going to get ugly. Uh, Flores has receipts. These are receipts, by the yeah, way. Yeah, these are legit, out, legit receipts, like real receipts. Uh, uh, Hugh Jackson clearly has receipts. Uh, another guy who, after he got bounced from the Cleveland Browns, had some success, but not tremendous, um, has not been able to get a head coaching job since. Um, and, uh, and, and Flores has reported that there are others that may have receipts so obviously uh, Hugh Jackson has come out and said something I wouldn't be surprised if others come out um my problem is excluding the Pittsburgh Steelers I, I will give them a break on this the other 31 and Chris when I say the other 31 I'm including our team you guys need to recalculate what kind of business practices you guys got going on when dealing with head coaching vacancies because pick i understand they they're they're billionaires millionaires whatever they are well i don't they, think if i don't think it depends you they've had belichick's been a coach for 20 something years we haven't had to look for anybody else i understand that chris but the only team the team that that initiated the rule and has has tried to live by the rule in, in the steelers i think don't have as much culpability in this situation as the other 31 do they need to if they can say what they want about being you know respectable to the the, the process 
but they also need to hold their fellow owners accountable in this situation. Oh, as far as that goes, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's with that what for that's sure. what I'm trying to get to, Chris. Is is they need to hold I'm, them accountable in this situation because they're basically checking the boxes. I'm or, telling you, I'm telling you, if he does not get a head coaching job, Ian Flores, which look, let's be honest, right now, yeah, probably wouldn't be best for him or any organization. I'm telling you, the Patriots are going to bring him back as a coordinator. I, I guarantee it, and they should. And they should. At 100%. Because he is super talented, and if he's willing to wait out a couple more years, I would have no problem with him being the guy to step up and take Belichick's spot. And I want to say one more thing, and then I'm good. I don't know if you have more to say, obviously, whatever you have to say, but I by no means think a team should have to put on a dog and pony show. If you know the head coach you want to hire... If the Jacksonville Jaguars come out tomorrow, say they haven't done any interviews yet, and they say, we want to hire Sean Payton, and Sean Payton wants to come to Jacksonville, they should not have to put on this insulting dog and pony show just to fulfill some rule. They should be able to say, we want Sean Payton. We're going to sign Sean Payton. You shouldn't not be able to do that just because Sean Payton's white. However, if you're going to have these rules in place, and you're going to say we're having an open competition, and then it is clearly a sham. There needs to be something done about that. Brian Flores has a case. And it would be a shame, and I don't think it will happen, but it would be a shame if dude stands up for what he believes in because of what he's seen, if he doesn't get a job because of that. He deserves better, and frankly, the league needs to be better. They need to stop checking the box, Chris, and they need to – because. They've gone one further, and when I mean they, I mean the GMs and the owners have gone one further by now they're going to hire a black head coach, and then they're going to fire him the next season or a season after that. Or in Brian Flores' case, and, and apparently Hugh Jackson, you need to lose so we can get a good draft pick, but you're not going to be here to garner the fruits of that labor. Yeah. We want someone else that's going to win. How do you know he's not going to win? Brian Flores went eight and nine in his last nine games of this season. I have to think that maybe next year he would have had a, if they had a good off season, maybe they could have built something. And I understand they had an issue. Him and the GM had an issue. Chris, the GM has been there 20 years. The owner picked the GM. What have they done in 20 years? Nothing. And that's exactly more of the problem. Nobody could have done more in Tennessee. Nobody could have done more with Houston last year. That team that was a laughing stock of the media, sports-related, and just outside of sports with the whole Deshaun Watson scandal and all that nonsense. Mm -hmm. And Bill O'Brien and all the bad trades he made. Nobody could have gotten more than David Coley got out of that team last year. And for him to be fired was an absolute embarrassment. Anthony Lynn did great by the Chargers and absolutely had them competing when nobody thought they were going to be competing. Got fired. Have you heard anybody mention anything about David Coley or Anthony Lynn his entire offseason? Not one word. Meanwhile, Josh McDaniels, who was a laughing stock, he drafted Tim Tebow high. It was laughed out of Denver. Patriots fans who love their team were thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. The Raiders were dumb enough to take him. But... He gets another shot. 
So other guys are sitting on the sideline. And one of these situations on its own is not damning. When you start to look at the whole big picture, there's a problem. I'll have an issue because right now, Chris, we're looking at three new head coaches, uh, Everflus, Hackett, and Dayball. None of them are retreads, but you're right. McDaniels is a retread. Um, the possibility of the Vikings, they might hire a retread. Uh, I know it's been a while. Um, we'll talk about the Texans at some point. Uh, I have an opinion on what they're doing and the fishiness that's going on, on down there. And we'll see what the Jags and the Dolphins and the Saints do. But I look at their head coaching candidates. I like some of them. Uh, Doug Peterson's on a lot of them. And I don't think he's at the point where he should be getting a second opportunity. No. Um, there's a lot more. And, and again, I'm going to hammer this point in. The person that should be on top of everyone's list for every one of these jobs should be Eric Bieniemy. I don't know what teams are thinking. You can say Andy Reid is the, the the architect of this, but he has standed up and said he doesn't run the offense. Eric Bieniemy runs the offense. He calls the plays. If that's what you want, you want an offensive genius, an offensive mind, go to Kansas City, pick Eric Bieniemy out of there, put him with your young your young quarter quarterback, Jacksonville. Miami, Chicago, hell, even you could say Las Vegas. But they didn't. So I hope there's more to this. Um, I hope we, 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 because I, I thought, I thought one thing, I thought it was just networking. I thought it was the opportunity. They need to educate all the, the candidates um, that aren't up to what they expect, and that includes everybody. That's not black. That's not white. That's mm -hmm. not. But then you had last year the 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 uh, Asian American uh, head um, candidate. I don't remember his name. Uh, accused the team of not being the right minority, and now this year we have this. There's a problem. There's a huge problem, and the NFL needs to sit down and say, don't incentivize this, this that incentive crap that they were trying to pull last year. That's, that's not, that's not going to do anything. You need to – all 32 teams need to sit down and say, what are we doing wrong? What, how can we fix this? And that's and what, what they need to do. But look at the John Gruden emails going on between a coach and an upper-level management member of a professional football organization – Back and forth, there's a problem. You add the whole big picture in, something needs to be addressed. And like I said, I am not, my first instinct on everything is not to say, race, 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 this is it. That's far from it. I a lot of time, I get in arguments with people a lot of time looking at things objectively going, that's not race. It's an outlier situation. It's one situation. Like It's not race. Like This person's just more qualified for a job whether it be in, in, in sports, in real life, and anything else. Um, I'm telling you, man, Flores has a case. When you add everything together, there's a problem, and it's got to be addressed. Uh, even if that comes down to just... If you're not going to actually practice what you preach, then just do away with all the nonsense. Do away with all this, 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 this stuff you're doing, 
with all this social justice stuff because it just makes it look like you're being fake. It's a sham. When you when you say all that, and then you have stuff like this going on in your league offices. It's ridiculous. Go one way or the other. I, I just I just don't know what legally I don't know what they're gonna do against the accusations uh, uh, against Stephen Ross and the paying off because that's 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 a problem. That's a problem. I don't, I don't I'm not gonna throw terminology, Chris, because I don't know. I'm just looking at it. That's not right. Paying someone to lose, no. that calls into the question the integrity of the game. And if Mr. Goodell wants to throw out integrity of the game with a bunch of deflated footballs, what is he going to do with this? And I'll finish with this, Chris. An hour after Brian Flores came out with his statement about this uh, lawsuit, the NFL made a statement. There's nothing here. We've already looked into it. I call bullshit. 100%. This is not going to be the last we talk about this. This is going to be an ongoing situation. Believe me, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty more to say on this as things unfold. But that is going to do it for episode 163. Thank you very much for listening. If you have questions for Ben and I on this episode, past episodes, or anything else sports-related at all, we'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSpod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. Just a heads up to everybody as well. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a schedule change with the program, uh, which means I'm going to have to get back on the graphics machine and, and do an updated uh, <laughs> profile picture for our social media pages. But we're going to be switching to a Saturday recording, and, we'll, and the episode will be released Saturday afternoons. Uh, this is going to be best for, for Ben and I and getting a show out in, in a consistent, timely manner. Uh, our schedules have changed so much during the week. It's As you can tell from recent months, it's been difficult to put a show out on time consistently. So it's still going to be the same uh, same topics. Nothing else is going to change except for uh, time we record, and uh, release time of the show will be Saturday afternoon, and that will start. We will not have a show during the week next week. We have a first Saturday show February 12th. Debut for Super Bowl Sunday. We have a Super Bowl preview show, uh, and that will be our new time. Anything, Ben? I think it, I think it will lend us better to be consistent, um, and it lines with your schedule and my brand new schedule coming up. Um, actually, starting Super Bowl weekend, so uh, I think it's good. Good things coming, um, and I, I'm just I'm looking forward to being able to give everyone. Uh, a consistent uh, episode each and every week when they expect it. If you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast and leave a rating and a review and ask a friend to do the same. We'd really appreciate it. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.